0: to this hour of worship welcome everybody who's listening and watching right now through the live stream as well as welcome to everyone else who's going to be tuning in later Uh, we're sad that we're not worshiping this season in person but our prayer as a church is that you would be blessed by this worship service by the candlelight worship service that we recorded, by a Christmas message for this year that we recorded and will be uploading, as well as that you'll be blessed by last year's Christmas service that we'll be uploading uh, with the orchestra and with the choir. We've added to last year's Christmas service last year's Sunday school and children's church singing And their Christmas songs. And pray that God is going to use all of that to encourage us with his love and with his grace this Christmas season. A week from today is the last Sunday of 2020. We're almost there, folks. It's almost over. Our theme for that service is going to be 2020 Comfort. As we read of Simeon meeting the baby Jesus. And as we close out the year together as God's people at faith. Today is the fourth Sunday of Advent. And the Anderson family is doing our Advent reading and candle lighting. So let's listen and watch right now.
1: Say hi, we're the Andersons. Hi, we're the Anderson family. Today is the year, of they Anderson.
2: Good job. Our God is compassionate, generous, uh, gra- oh my goodness. gracious, and loving. Jesus comes to show us how much God loves the whole world. And we pray that we become more and more able to share Christ's love with each other and with the whole world.
3: Today's text is Isaiah 11, 1-10. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The wolf will live with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and the little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, the young will lie down together, the lion will eat straw like the ox, the infant will play near the cobra's den, the young child will put his hands into the viper's nest, they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples; The place, the nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious.
2: Let's pray. Dear God, we love you, because we know that in Jesus you love us first. As we light these candles, help us love each other more and more. Help us also to share the love with the whole
1: world. Amen. Amen. Thanks
0: guys. Thank you guys. Now let's all sing together a song of Advent praise. Blessed be the God of Israel, two verses. Enter into worship now, receive God's greeting. This Advent season, the love of God the Father, the grace of Jesus the Son, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you all. Now let's sing a song of Christmas praise, a song praising God for Jesus' birth. Hark the herald angels sing, all three verses. As we continue in worship today, let's spend some time confessing our sins and also being assured of our pardon, our forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Uh, Please join me. I'll read Leader and then join with me on People, okay? All of us have become unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away.
3: No one calls on your name or
0: strives to lay hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. And then together, yet you, Lord, are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Together, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Amen. Let's go to God in our congregational prayer this morning. And I'm adding to our congregational prayer um, an Advent prayer that I found to be meaningful, and I pray will be a blessing uh, for us this morning. Let's pray. Eternal God, for whom all people wait and search, even when they don't realize it, We're crying out today for a living and a present word from you. As our season and our lives of discontent approach the day of your coming, we pray that you would speak to us in the graceful ways that you know best for your church, for your people, for each one of us individually. Open our eyes that have perhaps been closed this year by fear or blinded by our selfishness that we may see you and see those around us even in the anxieties and uncertainties of our times so that those things don't overwhelm us. Help us to see these holiday weeks that you have become incarnate And that your coming and finished work sanctifies even the smallest of our actions and tasks and words and thoughts with love, generosity, and kindness. And Father, enable us by your grace to live like that. In other words, to live with the spirit of your son Jesus, alive and active in us. We ask Father, that you would bless students and teachers with the time of rest after a particularly intense first part of the school year. We pray that you'd bless those who may be traveling this season. We pray that you would bless and keep us from sickness too. We ask for comfort for the family of Jim Allen Sr., who you called home this past week. May they find peace and hope in your first coming, Lord, and in your second coming that we are all waiting for. We pray the same comfort for Sue Weglar's and her family as they mourn the death of Sue's father. Unite them together one day again in your heavenly kingdom by your grace and for the sake of your dear son. We ask that you would Bless and be near Ron Vandernald in recovery from surgery, as well as Ray Rosendahl still in the hospital, and we pray moving forward in recovery from a stroke. We rejoice today with Brian and Danielle Voss and family for the recent birth of Audra. Bless mother and baby, and in particular, oh Father, we pray that you'd bring complete healing to danielle bless all our covenant families with wisdom for living in these days with courage to live for you no matter what the cost as we think of our, our world and we see in the news that the coronavirus vaccine is made available we pray that you would use that so that this might be the beginning of the end of the pandemic O oh lord We pray that with the promise of of your birth, Father, peace may come to earth and that peace would be in our hearts. Come, Emmanuel, we need your peace, we need your presence today. In Jesus' name, amen. As we head into this week of Christmas Day, I want us to profess our faith using uh, the Heidelberg Catechism, where the Catechism talks about the birth of Jesus and how that went about and what that means for our lives. So I'll read the questions, and then let's together read the answer. And this is explaining this particular phrase in the Apostles' Creed, of course. What does it mean that he, Jesus, was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary? The answer, that the eternal Son of God, who is and remains true and eternal God, took to himself through the working of the Holy Spirit from the flesh and blood of the Virgin Mary, a truly human nature, so that he might become David's true descendant, like his brothers in every way except for sin. And then this question, how does the holy conception and birth of Christ benefit you? He is our mediator, and with his innocence and perfect holiness, he removes from God's sight my sin, mine since I was conceived. Praise God. Uh, We're going to go to a ministry of music, and then after that, we'll sing together a song. Okay?
4: from
2: As we prepare to hear the word of the Lord, let's go to our Emmanuel in prayer. Father, we are grateful that in Jesus Christ you came to us. And so we praise you as the one who saves us, as the God who is with us, as the only true Lord. And Father, we're grateful that you continue to speak to us through your word and that through your spirit, you apply that word to our hearts. Father, today, help us help us once again to receive your word. Plant it deeply within us and help it to grow up, to lead us into hope and joy and peace and love in you. Amen. This morning, we're continuing our Faith Family Story series in this Series We're working through the gospel of Matthew chapters 1 and 2 through this Advent and then Christmas season. We're going to wrap up in a couple weeks with the first Sunday of the new year. And this, this beginning of the gospel of Matthew is, is the genealogy of Jesus as we've looked at the last couple weeks and, and wrapping up this morning. Matthew begins with 17 verses that move us from Abraham to David to the exile to Jesus. And Abraham and David, we, we know the stories, we speak of them a lot. Exile is an Old Testament theme that we pay less attention to, in part because it's so challenging. It, it shows us how God's people went wrong and how there were consequences for that. And so we're going to, to listen to what Matthew and what the prophet Jeremiah have to tell us about, about how we move from the exile to Christ. So hear God's word for us today. We'll begin with Matthew chapter 1. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then we move down a few verses. And Josiah was the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Abiud. Abiud, the father of Eliakim. Eliakim, the father of Azor. Azor, the father of Zadok. Zadok, the father of Akim, Akim the father of Elieud, Eli- Elaud the father of Eleazar, Eleazar the father of Mattan, Mathan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Thus there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Christ. And then we're going to go back to the Old Testament to the prophet Jeremiah where he speaks to us of the exile. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend my flock. Because you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and will bring them back to their pasture where they will be fruitful and increase in number. I will place shepherds over them who will tend them and they will no longer be afraid or terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is right and just in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteousness. So then the days are coming, declares the Lord, when people will no longer say, as surely as the Lord lives who brought the Israelites up out of Egypt, but they will say, as surely as the Lord lives who brought the descendants of Israel up out of the land of the north and out of all the countries where he had banished them, then they will live in their own land. This is God's word for us today. I think we all know the story of the emperor's new clothes. We've heard some version of it. And the way it goes is that these two con men, these two people who pose as traveling traders come to the city of the emperor and they manage to get an audience with the emperor and they tell him, we've developed this amazing new way of making cloth. And we, we work gold in a certain way, and we, we spin it, and we thread it, and we do everything we need to do, and we can construct these incredible garments with, with beauty, with, with a lightness that you can hardly believe. And what's more, they have a, a magical quality to them, that only people who are virtuous, who are good, who are truly skilled at their work and, and wise about life, only that kind of person can even see this cloth. To everyone else, it's invisible. And the emperor, who seems to be rather a, a foolish man, agrees that, that he'll provide gold for these con men to, to spin into clothes. And so they go about that, and over time, the king sends some of his officials to check on them the, the captain of his guard, his treasurer, his prime minister. And each of those officials, they go to these men and, and the traders are pretending to be working with the cloth and they say, isn't this beautiful, isn't this wonderful, and, and isn't it tremendous how only those who are virtuous and wise can see it? What do you think of it? And each of the officials denies the evidence of his eyes and, and to maintain his standing and appearance says, oh, it's wonderful, it's beautiful. And they go back to the emperor and report how wonderful this cloth looks. And in the end, the emperor himself comes to be fitted with his new clothes and, and they put them on and they ooh and they ah over, over nothing but over what they pretend is a tremendously royal outfit and the emperor himself wants to say something but he doesn't want to reveal that he can't see the cloth so he too denies the evidence of his eyes and instead says, oh what wonderful cloth, I've never worn such a, such a light and wonderful outfit in my life. And then he goes out and he parades through the city showing off his new clothes and everyone oohs and aahs because they've heard the stories too and, and who wants to make an emperor angry until a little boy as he sees the emperor coming says, he hasn't got any clothes on. And then the joke is up and everyone begins to laugh and point at the emperor. You're right, he has no clothes on. And the emperor in his shame can't can't admit this and so he has to simply parade on in denial without any clothes on without any real royal apparel well in this story jeremiah is that boy who who points at the emperors who points at the rulers of his day and says they haven't got any clothes on they haven't got any clothes on so we need to talk, as we reflect on Jeremiah and on these themes of, of exile and leading up to Christ, we need to talk about shepherds and judgment. And that text from Jeremiah begins by talking about these shepherds, and they aren't literally shepherds, they're the rulers, they're the leaders of God's people, and, and they have failed. And if we read the chapter before, we didn't, but if you read through Jeremiah 22 and, and other parts of Jeremiah, it's become clear that these shepherds have failed both in their horizontal and their vertical relationships. They have failed to provide for the true worship of the Lord among His people. Instead, they've served other gods. They've they've mingled their worship with, with other concerns. And what's more, they've demonstrated a complete lack of care for the poor and the needy and the vulnerable. It is clear that they do not care about those who might be at risk. All they care about is themselves. And so they've built for themselves these wonderful houses, and Jeremiah 22 describes them as houses with large rooms and big windows with panels of cedar and and painted red. And as Jeremiah goes on, we're supposed to get this picture of of the leaders enriching themselves and living in great luxury while while condemning the poor and the needy to, to bad religion and lifestyles of need and now in jeremiah 23 the lord comes and he speaks to these shepherds and and he pronounces a guilty verdict on them and then he passes sentence verse 1 of jeremiah 23 is technically called a woe oracle and in more contemporary language that's a guilty verdict the lord comes and he says woe upon the shepherds who are destroying and scattering my flock woe upon them they are guilty And then the Lord goes on and he gives them a sentence of punishment. And and he makes it clear that their punishment is going to fit their crime. In verse 2, the Lord says, Because you leaders have not bestowed care upon my flock, I am going to bestow punishment on you. Because you have not visited my flock with care, says the Lord, I am going to visit you with punishment. The Lord says, because you have failed in taking care of my people, well, I'm going to take care that you suffer your due punishment for it. And that's, that's what the Lord does in the history of his people. These shepherds and the people who are following them, they, they think they've been following the Lord's ways, and yeah, they've mixed some other things in, but, but they're pretty convinced that they're doing it right. They're convinced that their lifestyle is justifiable. They're convinced that that the way they've they've established their needs is more important than those of the people, that that that's all good. But the Lord comes to them and says, No, no, and no, and no again. You have fallen short. And this text... This text is focused especially on the leaders of God's people, and so it should today concern especially those who are in leadership positions, especially pastors, elders, deacons, those who lead ministries. We we should be especially shaken by this text, but, but it applies to all of us. It applies to the, the whole nation, to the whole family of God's people. We think we're trusting in the Lord, but. But are we really? You know, too often, too often we're over here in denial. And yeah, we've taken what the Lord says into account, but we've, we've mixed it up with some other things. We've got some idols going on and, and we've really made sure that we feel good about ourselves rather than making sure that, that we are laying our lives down in service for our neighbor. And we see this, I think, in the politicization of absolutely everything in our culture these days. Everything is about us and them, and our side is good, and we're the heroes, and that side is bad, and they're the villains. And I think we see this in the church in America, too, as we've, as we've had more and more celebrity pastors, and we more and more put these particular church heroes up on a pedestal. And again and again, they fall. We can think of Bill Hybels of Willow Creek and James McDonald of Harvest. Carl Lentz of Hillsong has been another recent example of of shepherds who are praised and who who have this tremendous lifestyle, and then then it all falls apart. And when when we think of the shepherds around the time of Jesus' birth, you know, there's shepherds in the story of, of Luke and the gospel there, and, and our default is probably to think of those shepherds as nice, put-together people who hang out with cuddly little sheep and, and everybody likes them, but in fact, that's not who they were. Those shepherds were the dredge, the bottom of society. They couldn't get along with the rest of the family, with the rest of God's people, and so they always lived on the margins and on the edges, and, and often they were kind of suspect in terms of Were they always part of God's people or not? And we often are like those shepherds. We are are people who who live on the edges of God's will. Let me me tell you another version of of the emperor's new clothes, but it's the city's new clothes. In this version, some traders, some con men come, and, and they convince a whole city that you you if you only pay for our for our knowledge for our expertise for our know-how you too can make yourself these these wonderful clothes that you wouldn't believe and you'll look tremendous in them and and they breathe so well you'll hardly even think you have anything on and and you'll be able to make them to show that you have it together and the whole city buys this and and they all spin their own clothes and and then they go out and they laugh at other people who, oh, they, they, they clearly, they don't have it together. But us, don't we look wonderful and special? And we too often live in denial of God's will. We too often mix, mix our faith up with other factors that are maybe not completely in keeping with God's word and, and we don't realize it. We see how other people have gone wrong but it's hard for us to see how we ourselves have gone wrong. But all of our new clothes, all of our fancy schemes don't change the fact that, that we are failing to love God and we are failing to love our neighbors. And when we, when we get to Jeremiah 23, 2, we have some choices here. We can continue to live in denial We can choose not to listen to Jeremiah. We can choose not to listen to that voice that looks at us and says, you you haven't got any clothes on. And we can choose to get on with life as we've always lived it. We can make that choice. And that's easy for us. My, My own tendency in putting this sermon together, and I'm guessing yours, is to listen to be a little uncomfortable and then say, but I'm okay. It's those other people. I'm okay But those other people, boy, they really need to hear this message, and and the truth is that I need to hear this message, and you do too, and we need to admit our denial. But there's another approach we could take to this that that is equally unhelpful, and that's to say, yep, I deserve God's judgment. Yeah, I've gotten it wrong, and there's, there's nothing I can do about it, and then we just put ourselves into exile and say, there is no hope. God has abandoned us. God does not love me because I am not good enough. We can live in denial, or we can put ourselves in exile, or we're given a third choice by Jeremiah here. And that choice is to live in hope. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. And so as Jeremiah continues here, we hear We hear not just about the shepherds and judgment, but about the good shepherd and the compassion of the Lord. Now, I want to ask you to put yourself in a situation, and for some of you, this will be very easy. For others, it'll be a little more challenging in terms of your life experience. But imagine that you're a teenager, and you have really, really messed up. You've been cheating on tests for a long, long time. you figured out how to get hold of the t- teacher's answer keys. And you have lived large with wonderful grades. And now you've been found out. And the school has gone back and, and found out every single time that you cheated. And, and you flunked. And you're going to have to add another semester or another year to your schooling. And, and now you've got to tell your dad. Or imagine that you've been sleeping around and, and now there's an unexpected baby on the way and, and you're embarrassed and you're ashamed and you don't know what to do and, and now you've got to tell your dad. Or imagine that you took the family's classic car, that, that treasured Cutlass or GTO out and you had a lot of fun with it and now it's wrapped around a telephone pole and you might be able to pull a couple pieces off for paperweights, but otherwise that car is finished. And now you've got to call your dad. And there's a couple responses that you can have at that point. You can have a response that, that what I did was fine, there's no need to worry about it, I'm not even going to, just whatever, I'm moving on. Or you can have the response that many of us who are in the church who are religious have, and and I got to, I got to call my dad, I got to, I got to tell him the truth, and I got to do this, but, but he's going to kill me! Like, this is a disaster, I've shamed the family, I've shamed, there's nothing I can do, and I but I, I gotta call my dad. What am I gonna do? But there's another approach too. And this is this is more of a gospel approach that we say, oh no, I I messed up. Wow, did I ever mess up? And this is this is not fixable. I I can't make this right. I I'm stuck. But but man, I want to call my dad. I got to call my dad. I just just want to call my dad. I just want to go home and I just just want my dad. And the Bible tells us that our heavenly father is the kind of dad who when we have to make that phone call, when we have to sit down on the couch and and confess that we messed up and wow, did we mess up and we can't fix it, that, that there will be consequences, yes. But the last word is not consequences. The last word is the gospel. The Lord here in Jeremiah 23 pretty clearly says that when we turn away from Him, there, there is a guilty verdict, and there are times when there is punishment. But that's not where Jeremiah stops. If we read a lot of other ancient literature, and we, we read Jeremiah 23, 1 and 2, we get this kind of ba-dum, ba ba of judgment. And we could expect that to carry on, but um, dum but um. Here's all the ways that you're going to suffer. But, but there is a surprising shift in, cha- in uh, chapter 23, verse 3. Instead of the rhythm of judgment, the song changes, and now it's a song of grace and hope and compassion. And the Lord says, I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their pasture where they will be fruitful and increase in number. I will place shepherds over them who will tend them and they will no longer be afraid or terrified and none will be missing, says the Lord. The Lord himself promises to provide for his people. And in the rest of this section of Jeremiah, what we see is basically a promise of Christmas. The Lord declares that he will raise up a branch from the tree of David. And that branch and that word there is used of Of the rightful heir to the throne, the one who will be the king, and that king will be just, and that king will be righteous, and that king will save God's people. He will be the Lord of righteousness, and that branch from the tree of Jesse and David will be God's good shepherd for his people. And this will so much be the case that. That the people won't talk about the exodus anymore as as the paradigm, as the great moment when the Lord delivered his people. But instead, the people, God's people, the family of God, will look at that good shepherd and say, remember when? Remember when God showed his faithfulness and his compassion in that undeniable and totally clear and absolutely life-changing way? Do you remember that? And the Exodus will seem like small potatoes in comparison to this good shepherd's deliverance. And Jeremiah 23 right there is pointing to Christmas and pointing to Christ. Christ is the good shepherd and his coming is the great moment. The pivot, the paradigm, the reality that the Lord is compassionate and he delivers his people. And so we've come, as we pay attention to Jeremiah, as we walk through the beginning of Matthew, we've come all the way from the exile to Christ. The whole world and even God's people were in spiritual exile. We were trying to tell our own stories and make our own clothes, and we were failing. In our our culture today, the all the Disney movies, all the hero stories that we hear today, they they give us this theme of be your own person, be free, define your reality, make things up for yourself, be whoever you want to be, and that's the way to live, and that's the way to find freedom and hope. And those stories, well, they're lies. Some of them are, are better than others, but in the end, they are all lies because none of, the, none of the stories we tell for ourselves, none of the pop culture, none of the psychologizing, none of the political, none of those narratives really bring us ultimate freedom. They might help us a bit, they might hurt us a bit, but none of them are a story that we can, that we can put ourselves in the hands of and trust that it will really deliver us. We are just making up our own clothes and, and in the end they leave us naked and vulnerable. We are just shepherds who are, who are out there living on the edge and in denial of what life is really like. Those stories are no good. And those are the stories that land us in exile, that bring us to a place where we deserve And we experience judgment and punishment. But this, this, the story of Jeremiah 23, the story of Matthew 1, the story of God's work, the story of God's word, this story is the story that really gives us hope. Don't be true to yourself. Be true to Christ Put yourself in the hands of Christ and let Him set you free. That's the message that Matthew 1 and and the whole gospel of Matthew and the whole Bible wants us to hear. We've come from all of that, but now come to the Christ child. The Lord knows our failures, and and yet He gives us this good news that He has delivered us from the exile to Christ. We need a new, deeper story in our lives, and that story needs to be the Christian story and the Christmas story. Andrew Peterson is a Christian author. He's a Christian songmaker. maker. He's, he's produced a number of albums, lots of books over the years, and, and he recently wrote a reflection called Adorning the Dark that's, that's a book-length reflection on what it means to be a creative person and a Christian. And in that book, Andrew shares how when he was first setting out, he wanted to glorify the Lord. But as he looks back, what he really wanted to do was to make his mark. And so he would put together these albums, and he would do these shows, and he would do all these things. And and sometimes he really thought he was great, and things were going well, and he felt really good about himself. And he he was a creative. But then he would have these other moments where where the show wouldn't click, where the crowd wouldn't cheer, where where the album he would listen to it and hear all the ways he got the notes wrong and all the opportunities he missed and and he would realize that he he couldn't cut it, and he would never be able to, and he was never going to be any good, and he should just go work at Walmart or something, but then, as the years go by, and he puts out some more albums and and really reflects more deeply on what it means to use the gifts that God has given him, he he has this to say in that reflection. We need not look anywhere but to the eyes of our Savior for our true identity. An identity which is complex and unfathomable and deep as the sea, and yet can be boiled down to one little word. Beloved. Beloved. That's it. And that's why it's so silly and perilous to use your gifting to clothe yourself with meaning. Those clothes will never quite fit. And whether you depend on, on your creative output or, or on your obedience to some set of laws or on your affiliation with a political party or on your identification with some celebrity or some movement, and all of those things if we use them to try to construct meaning and hope in our lives those clothes aren't real and they don't they don't get us anywhere they leave us naked and alone and out in the cold and dark but the bible tells us that the lord jesus comes to us and he he gives us new clothes And he gives us clothes that are wiped clean by the radiance of his work and and clothes that reflect the glory of the Lord because we are his people and Christ himself has come to us. Jeremiah. Jeremiah wants to shake us out of our denial and show us that that exile and judgment are a reality. But he does that and the Bible does that to get us to this point where we can rejoice in Christ. Christ. And Matthew 1, this genealogy, this story of Jesus' origins, it, it takes us ultimately from the exile to being in the presence of Christ. And that is the gospel for us, that, that our God is with us, that our God has come to us, that, that our God has given us, given us clothes of shining righteousness out of His grace and goodness. Jesus, the good shepherd, the righteous branch, the the king of righteousness has come. And through him and only through him, we are righteous and we are made right. The Lord shakes us out of our denial. The Lord brings us home from exile and the Lord is our good shepherd. And that is the hope and the love that we rejoice in this Advent and this Christmas. Let's pray. Father, we confess that that so often, as hard as it is for each of us to admit about ourselves, so often we are poor shepherds and we are scattered sheep. Lord, we have embraced so many lies. We have embraced so many different stories. and, And we confess today that all of that has led us away from you. Lord, we confess that we have not lived up to the covenant that you made with your people. And Father, we confess that we have not cared for those around us, and especially for, for those in need and those who are vulnerable. Lord, we are so selfish, and we are so sorry. But Father, we thank you that you, even when you come to us with deserved correction, that you also come to us in the grace of Christ. Lord, we pray that you help us to to see our need, but also to call on you, to call upon you as our Abba, as our Daddy, as our Father, as our Savior, as our Comforter, and say, I just want to come home. I just want to come home and be with you. Lord, we pray that you work in us so that we are more and more at home in you so that we are more and more living in your ways and enjoying enjoying your presence in deeper and deeper ways. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to continue. We're going to respond to God's word by singing a couple verses of Once in Royal David City. Let's together continue praising the Lord. As Pastor Greg mentioned at the beginning of this service, even in this challenging Advent and Christmas season when we aren't gathering in person, you are invited to continue this conversation with the Lord and with His people in a number of ways in the coming days. You can participate in the Christmas Candlelight Service, which will be up on our YouTube channel and website. The same with our Christmas service, a meditation for this year, the service from last year. Looking ahead at the next couple Sundays, we'll have the opportunity to Reflect on Simeon and how the Lord gives us comfort even in this hard year, and then we'll continue the Sunday after that, focusing on on different ways that the Lord continues to provide for his family. We are blessed even in hard times to have the Lord our Savior be with us. And now as we look toward Christmas, receive this blessing. The branch of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the people, and in him The Lord's people shall have hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you abound in hope by the power of God's Holy Spirit. Amen.